Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. I'm your host, Mike Tanner, and I'm joined in studio today with two of my very good friends, Father James Mallon. Hey, Mike. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. I've got my brand new Divine Renovation mug. I'm very happy to drink water out of this. <laughs> Excellent. And we're also joined today by Dan O'Rourke. Dan, uh, Mike, good to see you. Cheers. Cheers for all the James. Brand new Divine Renovation mugs. Yes, we've got swag now. There has been a discussion. <laughs> we got to do a giveaway. Can we do a giveaway? We How do we do a giveaway? Do a giveaway. Uh, we're not going to do it today. No? Because you just threw it to us on the fly, but we will do it. <sighs> can, I, can I take this and then can the giveaway be you give one of these mugs to me? You have to, to give that exact mug back. Uh, that <laughs> mug does not belong to you. We, our boss is very strict about what we're having. <laughs> but we're the so. mugs. There's a mug tracking uh, system. So in addition to the guests we have here in studio with us today, we're also joined by Dominic Ineo today. Dominic, how are you today? Great, guys. It's great to be with you. Good. We're, we're really glad to have you. We're happy to, uh, to be able to do this through the air and actually have conversations with people all over the world. So um, why don't we start today by you telling us where in the world you are and what in the world you do, maybe a little bit about yourself today. I am situated right now in Grimsby, Ontario. That's about a half an hour away from Niagara Falls here in Ontario. Uh, a little bit about myself. I've been married for 35 and a half years to my lovely wife, Jenny. We have two beautiful daughters and a, an amazing son-in-law. Um, we all serve in the church uh, over and above our uh, daily professional lives. Um, during the day shift, I operate an uh, IT project management consulting business. Uh, we serve some of the largest financial institutions in Canada and have run some very large multi-million dollar mission critical type of projects for them. Um, and that's a lot of fun, but I have a lot more fun in the evening uh, <laughs> where I do uh, a lot of uh, youth leading, youth directing, um, youth ministry management, um, uh, counseling. I've spoken at high schools uh, to try to get the word of the Lord out there uh, into our communities. Uh, I'm also blessed to, to serve on the Renewal Ministries Board uh, of, of Canada. Um, I think one of the um, game-changing ministries out there in, in the world today, for sure. And it's a great blessing to serve on that board. So it, it's, it's obvious that, uh, that faith is a huge part of your life. Uh, can, you, can you give us a sense a little bit of, of how that came about? Uh, like, what, what is your faith story to a certain extent? Yeah, I mean... Uh, a couple of decades ago, my wife got into a Bible study. Uh, you know, um, I didn't want to have anything to do with it, obviously. <laughs> um, uh, next thing I know, she was watching uh, ministers on the on television, listening to, to to teaching all the time on tapes and reading her Bible constantly. And a uh, long story short, uh, as a Catholic, uh, this was I, I was just not familiar with any of that, and. Um, uh, again, long story short, she, I did notice her start to change and, um, you know, our relationship started to get better and it was all because of her it really had nothing to do with me. And, and, you know, she kept crediting it to, to the study she was doing and to how she was learning about the Lord. And then, you know, unbeknownst to her, I just, you know, I, I have a computer science background. So as a scientist, I wanted to learn about, is this God real? Is Jesus real? Is this Bible real? Did he really die? And really, ultimately, it came to the point of, did, did he rise from the dead? Mm. Um, was there such thing as a resurrection? And I, I actually concluded all of that uh, on my own by reading books and studying and investigating. And interesting, interestingly enough, nothing really changed in my life. I mean, I was struggling at that point in time in my life in multiple ways. Um, 
But one night, uh, she called me down and said, hey, you know, I want you to listen to this speaker. And it was, uh, you know, a minister on the TV talking about Pentecost and talking about what happened to the apostles and the transformation they went through. And I remember listening to that talk, and he ends that talk by saying, hey, Peter was this guy before that event. He was this guy after that event. And if you, if you want that transformation, say this prayer, Holy Spirit, come into my life, take control, something like that. And, you know, I knew nothing about uh, the Holy Spirit, honestly. I mean, it's sad to say, but I didn't. <laughs> and um, uh, the next day, I did say that prayer because I was kind of in a bit of a desperate state. The next day, my life changed. I mean, my life changed drastically. Things around me were happening, and I was seeing things completely differently. Uh, I, can't, I, I didn't even know why it was happening. Mm. I, I kept asking my wife. Even she hadn't really had that type of experience with the Holy Spirit. I did start to um, feel a constant conviction, if you will, of, of things I was doing in my life. This voice that was constantly speaking to me. Obviously, that led me to study a lot more about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And, um, you know, from there, to tell you the truth, it was a challenge to stay in the Catholic Church. Much of this education mm. we were getting was from outside the community. But by the grace of God, and I'm so grateful, one day I was just flipping around the television and I found this guy uh, named Father Babadard, uh, and he was speaking on TV and Food for Life. And I think the next half hour, Rolf Martin, uh, Peter Herbeck, and Sister Anne came on and started, to, and I thought, oh my gosh, these guys talk just like those Protestant guys, except they're <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> They actually know the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they actually have a personal relationship with them. I started to go to their conferences, and, you know, obviously the music was phenomenal. The teaching's phenomenal. And, you know, from there, both my wife and I did a study on John chapter 6. And once we came to understand what the Eucharist was, which, you know, takes a bit. Uh, it, it, it takes a little bit of thinking, a little bit of studying, a little bit of praying. But once we got that, it was, we knew we were home uh, in the Catholic Church. And, I'm really grateful to those ministries, those TV ministries, for, for keeping us in the mm. faith, because I don't think we would have without them. Dom, Dominic, it's obviously the, the, this experience of the Lord, you know, being a, you know, raised Catholic, and, and I don't know what, to what degree you were, you were involved at that point, but going from, from kind of uh, nominal to, to yeah. you know, to experiencing the real thing has really shaped yeah. your, your, your passion. Why specifically young people or, or to teenagers, high, high school kids? Because that seems to be where your, where your focus has, has, has landed. Yeah, you know, I, once I had my conversion experiences started to grow in the Holy Spirit, started to grow in the faith, I wanted to serve right away. I mean, I, I recall uh, speaking to um, uh, one of the professors at St. Peter's Seminary in London and saying, okay, so what do I do? How do I become a deacon? Where do I sign up? I want to teach. You know, <laughs> what do I do? Well, all of that was a four or five year process uh, to get educated and whatnot, which, which I've for the most part completed now. But back then, the easiest way to get in was in youth ministry. And I started to pretty much work with youth right away. And I, I, had, a, I had done a lot of coaching uh, of kids as well. So it was pretty comfortable with me. I mean, I love kids. I love the youth. I love the passion. I love the potential. I love the energy. So it was pretty easy for me to get in there. But even the Lord, um, you know, you know, spoke to me quite clearly one day in Mass. Um, I was, had my conversion experience, and I was watching these kids in Mass, and not very many of them, unfortunately, the five, six, or seven that were there, none of them were paying attention. All of them had their arms folded. They were, they were looking at their fingernails, and I was just there like probably a year ago or a few months ago, mm. 
And, um, you know, after a while, I saw this over and over and over again. And I said to the Lord, like, you know, this is ridiculous. Somebody should do something about this. And <laughs> yeah. it's um, a very dangerous thing to say to God. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I was right after communion that day. I knelt down and he said, you know, why don't you do something about it, obviously. Um, and and uh, I spoke to my wife. Uh, she's a bit of a visionary. And she said, let's go talk to the chaplain at the high school. Let's go talk to the principal. Let's go talk to the pastor and let's form a youth group. And um, away we went. Obviously, she didn't tell me that I was going to be able, I was going to have to set up the agenda for the whole year and write all the talks for the whole year. She didn't tell me that part. But anyway, we got the thing started and, and we've been blessed by it ever since. Mm. It's incredible. I love this idea that we, we will often ask of God, like, could someone please do this? Very rarely does God say, oh, yeah, I have someone over here in mind that'll take care of that for you. Quite yeah, often, yeah. Once, once the question comes on our heart, the idea is, well, the question's on your heart. So now this is yours. How, do, how does this, this change in, 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 uh, in mass one day and, and this experience is, how does that turn into sold, sold out ministry? How does that, how does that turn into a, a formal organization? And, and can you tell us a little bit about how that's come about for you? Yeah, like um, we, we, we literally got 15 test kids uh, to, to agree to join us for a couple of nights. And, um, you know, we asked them if they liked it to kind of go out and get other kids. The chaplain went to the school and actually took volunteers out for us, which was great. And uh, from there, we just kept going. Now it's a program we do it 15 nights a year here in our parish. For a while, we were doing three parishes. But as you guys know, pastors change, chaplains change, things change. So uh, and, and their visions and all their perspectives are different. So it, it's kind of always something we're juggling. But uh, we've been doing it now for 15 years, I think, uh, you know, in and around this community. We offer fi 15. It, it's volunteer. The kids don't have to come. Um, so we've ranged from 20 to 30 to 50 kids that come in a night. And I, and I think we were able to, you know, grow from that pilot group of 10 or 12 to, you know, you grow to 30, 40, 50, uh, because I think we were hitting some, some, some right notes there with these kids. I think we had a pretty decent sense of where they were spiritually, where they were in their lives. Um, and it really hasn't changed much that, that much mm. over the last uh, 10, 15 years, really. I, we still see it the same. Um, and that is that, you know, culturally, uh, whether it's movies or music or television or, or even the media, uh, these kids have a very distorted, confused understanding of God, of Christianity, of Catholicism, of the church, of ministry, I mean, you name it. Yep. Uh, they, are, uh, they are very confused. And, and, and like I said, their thinking is very distorted. And, and they're constantly inundated with these distortions and confusions uh, with today's uh, modern media and, and the accessibility they have to it. So, I mean, I think we understood that right away and we were able to kind of deal with it right away. And I think it started to help and, and the fruit proves that, I believe. I think, uh, you know, we've, we've seen such tremendous changes in our culture in the last 20, 30 years. I mean, if you think about it, Ben, in the 50s and 60s, when the church was in a, in a kind of a Christendom age, it was just a given that if you did for your kids what your parents did for you, that most would simply grow up and continue to raise their kids in the, in the, in, right. in the faith. And then we went through the 60s and the 70s, and a lot of uh, young people left, but there was a sense, oh, don't worry, they'll, they'll be back. Well, when it mm -hmm. comes time for marriage or when, when they have their own children baptized, they, they'll, they'll come back. And that mm -hmm. was true to some degree in the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s. But one of the big shifts that I've witnessed in the years since my own ministry and the big difference now is that 
they don't come back. Very, very few of them actually come back at all. And yet, in some ways, in parishes, in our mindset, we're still... We're still operating out of a pastoral strategy that, you know, we, we, we get sheep for the flock. We grow the flock by, by witnessing the sheep having baby sheep and the baby sheep. We just presume the baby sheep are going to grow up and be adult sheep. Guess what? The baby sheep are leaving. They're leaving on right. mass and they ain't mm-hmm. coming back. And, and so uh, I really sense that, that there's an, an urgency in this that we really need to wake up and mobilize. And it sounds like uh, this, this is what you, you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, the idea for us is uh, when, when it comes to evangelizing these kids, we, we from the very beginning, uh, had a philosophy that we want to do it in three steps and we want to do it in a particular, particular order. That is, we need to get these kids to come to know him. Mm. Um, and to get them to know him, we have to undo everything that mm. that culture and media is kind of telling them about about the Lord. And if we can get that done, mm. we we can kind of move them to the part of getting them to love him. Mm-hmm. And and you know they know him, they know he's for them. Jeremiah says, "I have a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, a, a, a plan for a future and a hope, not to harm you." I mean, you say something like that to a kid, or Jesus saying, "I came so that you may have abundant life." life to the full, satisfied, abundant life to the full. When you start explaining things to kids, they've never heard it. Um, and depending who their pastor is and what community they're coming from, you know, they're just not hearing these messages that way, per se, mm. that he's good. He has a plan. He has a destiny. Um, how does David say it? Lord, you lead me to a glorious destiny. When, when kids start to hear that, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean he's not a nasty dictator in the sky who, who couldn't <laughs> care less about me? You mean he's not a cosmic killjoy? I mean, obviously, he doesn't want us to have any fun. Because anytime you see a Christian parent on, on a movie or on a television show, they're these radical, fundamental disciplinarians, right? And, and they're strict. And the kids are trying to constantly escape their tyrannical rule or something like that. So, you know, how, how, how can you blame them for concluding that, that God is a cosmic killjoy, which is what most of them think, Right. Or that he just doesn't care anything about you. And the media obviously does a good job of t- telling everybody about all the wrongs that the church has done and that the ministers have done in it. So we have to undo that. Mm. And uh, we start by getting them to know him and, 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 and working them with those kinds of scriptures. And you know what? We always get these comments. I didn't know that. No one's ever told me that. Uh, you can see that their eyes are opened. If we can get them there... And then the, 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 the process of getting them to love him is a, is a much longer process, obviously. And we, we, we have a two-pronged approach to that. We, we want to teach these kids personal, private, intimate, intentional, conversational communication with God on a daily basis. Whether we're going sh- to do Lectio and teach them Lectio, whether we're going to teach them Ignatian meditation techniques, whether we're going to teach them another meditation technique at first that is a little easier for them to to maybe accept or, or use. One way or another, we're going to try to stimulate this conversation. And obviously, with Lectio, we can do that through the Scripture. Um, and then secondly, when it comes to... And obviously, that takes time. That, that, that takes a year. We have these kids usually for four, uh, excuse me, for four or five years. And that's what we're trying to grow in every one of them. And then I think another way they come to love Him is to... Um, you know, we, we know for fact that these kids are bound up with lies. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes to succeed. Nothing ever works for me. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. 
We're going to undo that. We're, you know, if they start to learn how that conversational prayer with God, we're going to teach them some models and techniques so that they can undo those lies, get free of those lies and the negative emotions and negative behaviors that come with them because they're destiny killers. And uh, we want to get rid of that. If the Lord helps them through a process like that, they come to love him that just naturally. Mm-hmm. Dominic, what I'm, what I'm struck by is, is the order. Uh, because I think yeah. you know it's so easy for us to get the order wrong, and and what you what you started off with there is like you know I want them to 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 get to know him, yeah. And if yeah. we don't start there, then what what hope do we have for for those other steps? And I think so often you know as I think of of the priests that that we we meet, some of the ones that we visit and talk to from from all over the world, um, there's a lot of parishes that are doing really good work, right? Uh, but in that work, in that busyness, they're, they're often forgetting that very first step, that initial step, which is the step to get to know him. I mean, I think we've gone, you know, whether it's the church, even the high schools we deal with here, there's a lot more of a service mentality. Yep. It, it's, it's about social justice. It's about the yeah. service. And yep. we're, we're about that too. Obviously, we're going to try to take these kids on mission. But the order is know, love, then serve. That's right. I mean, otherwise the service is... And that, that, of, that comes from the old uh, catechism response, you know, about our yeah, purpose to know him, yeah. to love him, to serve him. So this is traditional right. Catholicism, starting with the knowing. Yeah. But yet, but the problem is, is that, again, in past practice, we just presumed the knowing. We took it for granted and just and wanted to talk about knowing about. We wanted to teach people about. Um, right. Dominic, explain to me the, you know, this... Ministry, this outreach literally was birthed out of an experience at your parish church. Explain yeah. to me the connection. You know, our ministry is all about uh, mobilizing and inspiring parishes towards mission and reaching the, 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 the youth who are in the pews and those not in the pews is right. a critical part of being missionary. And many of our parishes, the network, have Catholic schools. Uh, there's yeah. all different kind of models of, of how those schools are uh, constituted in relationship with the government and funding and all of this, but but a lot of our parishes that we work with ha- have them and really struggle with this because the whole model is structured that the starting point is a presumption that ke- people already know him. And, and, and so what do the schools do? They do catechesis. Catechesis right. and so, social justice. Catechesis right. and service. They don't do evangelization. So explain to me how you were able to break in like that and what is the relationship between uh, the school and the parish and how did you deal with all of the ins and outs of that? That's a big question, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, so here in our community, in, in, in my parish, we have a high school right next door. That, that's relatively common here in the Niagara area, um, uh, but, 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 but not always. Um, so, so for us here in the parish, we have maybe a lot more access to the high school, but, uh, comparatively speaking, to maybe some other uh, sec- dioceses like Toronto. Um, but, but obviously, um, just being in the community, um, some teachers got to know me, so I, I got to speak at some other high schools outside the diocese. You usually speak uh, several times a year at high schools. And, you know, it's, it's not an e- you would think uh, it would be easy for a, a Catholic speaker to, to get into a high school. Um, you, you know, there are chaplains out there that do know him, that do love him. There, there are a lot, unfortunately, that don't, uh, that it's a job for them. And it's the same thing with principals. Uh, the Catholic high schools in Ontario don't have to hire Catholics. Obviously, we're funded by the government. Um, you know, we have to abide by government laws. 
um, and government uh, curriculums and whatnot. So, so there's that. So, I mean, you would think that I would have numerous opportunities uh, with all these Catholic high schools, but, you know, like I said, with the focus on so- social justice, with the focus on service, there's really less of a focus on evangelization. So I typically have connected with principals or with, with chaplains that are of the same mind, obviously, and try to get into the high school and deliver this message. And whether I'm counseling, whether I'm delivering a message at high school, whether we're doing parish ministry, um, it doesn't matter. Um, it's the same pot pattern and philosophy I use all the time. I, I go in presuming, you said, Father, that we should presume that they know the church and they know the... I go in presuming they know nothing. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't say that we should presume that. I'm saying that, that that's the reality. That's, that, that's the reality. how that's how the table is set. The, it 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 is presumed by the system that that's the case. But yeah. I I totally agree with you that we should not presume that at all. We presume we presume nothing. And if I go to a speak at a high school, I typically speak to all the grade twelves. That's it because I want to speak to the older kids. Typically, um, you know, so there's a gathering of four hundred, five hundred kids, whatever, however big the high school is. I'm gonna guess five percent of them are going to mass. I'm going to guess 5% wow. of the teachers are going to Mass. Wow. Uh, I'm going to guess that out of that 500 kids, maybe 25% of them believe in God. Uh, yet, you know, uh, they've also been taught about Buddha and Muhammad and everybody, and everybody's kind of God and everybody's messed up. So I feel that's kind of what I'm going into. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely trying to undo all that stuff and then redo it with, you know, here's a God who has a destiny for you um, based on those scriptures I mentioned earlier, and he wants you to find it. And you just need to find it. And he, he, he's really working to help you find it. Thank you for joining us for the first part of our conversation with Dominic Aneu. Be sure to tune in next week for part two.